Welcome to the Loving Lake Geneva podcast. I'm your host, Karen Stray Rappaport. Each episode, I take an outside-the-wake look at the area's most interesting people, places, and happenings. It's another great day here in Lake Geneva, and the lake looks stunning, so let's jump right in. Today, we have with us Helen Brandt, curator at the Geneva Lake Museum. Welcome, Helen. Welcome, you too, Karen. Thank you very much for having us. Well, I am so glad you're here because I still feel like there are a lot of people out there who don't know about the museum and all the incredible history that they can find there. Can you just maybe start out by telling us a little bit about it, where it's located, how people access it, and what's inside? I certainly can. Thank you. Uh, We are in the old uh, Wisconsin Power and Light Building at 255 Mill Street. Uh, just about a block down from Starbucks and the post office off of Main Street. And, of course, we are called the GLM, Geneva Lake Museum. Its original name was Geneva Lake Area Museum of History, but uh, we've shortened it a bit. And we try to uh, have exhibits that show forth not just Lake Geneva, but Williams Bay and Fontana and the entire watershed of Geneva Lake. We are open to the public right now. We're in our winter schedule, so we're open Friday through Monday, uh, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's very family-oriented, and two, uh, all children under the age of 19 do come in free to see us. And we also have uh, free to active military members as well. We have all 20,000 square feet of the building on two levels for the people to explore. And it's very uh, interactional. You get to go into all of the galleries. And, of course, you may take any amount of pictures you would like. So uh, that's just a little of what you, you know, would see when you come. It really is fascinating because it gives a lot of history beyond the Lake Geneva area. And I know that you just wrapped up all your holiday special exhibits. But do you have something coming up for maybe later this winter, early spring? Yes, we do. We have two exhibits which we're quite excited about. One is going to be a salute to Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax was the co-funder of Dungeons and Dragons here in Lake Geneva and uh, part of TSR Industries. And he is a Lake Geneva person. And we all know the success that Dungeons and Dragons has had over the last number of years. And the other exhibit, which will be new and quite exciting for us, is a barbershop exhibit. It's going to be entitled Vern's Barbershop, named after Vern McGee, who was one of our board members, and she just died last fall, and it was her dream for several years to have this barbershop. So that will be coming late in the spring, a long time with Dungeons & Dragons. Also, something I didn't mention that came last fall, it's part of a permanent exhibit, and we have a salute to Lake Geneva's wonderful police department, an entire history of our police department. And the other one thing I do want to say that's very important that as of this January, we are reinstating our Tuesday at 2 programming. It will be the first Tuesday of every month at 2 p.m. And it's really exciting. This next Tuesday, February 1st, we're doing a new program on Yerkes Observatory and its future. So I think these are some really exciting things to look forward to. 
For sure. And I know when you have speakers there, you typically sell out. And, and that's really neat that you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, because a lot of people don't know that that originated here. There's so much history that people don't know goes back to Lake Geneva. And thinking about how the downtown area of Lake Geneva has changed over the years. I know when we have spoken, you mentioned that maybe Hugh Hefner had a role in that, right? He certainly did. I think when I came here as the librarian back in 1967, it was just a quiet little town. And the next year, the Playboy Club opened. And it sort of changed the complexion of the town a little bit. In fact, in order to get there, you needed to have the Playboy key. It seemed to be certainly geared much more to adults and not families. But yes, when you look down the road, and we know it now, it's a Grand Geneva resort. It's one of the best things that ever happened to the area. So we are very much indebted to Mr. Hefner. <laughs> and it's neat if you go to the Geneva National, there are still some memorabilia there. And every now and then you see some memorabilia locally out there being sold. I know somebody who just bought at an estate sale two club chairs from the old lounge there. I mean, just really neat, nostalgic stuff. So a neat piece of history there. And I know another big change that kind of came and went was we used to have a train that came right here all the way from Chicago correct? Yes, indeed we did. We had the Chicago and Northwestern, which came to us in 1871 in July, two months before the Chicago fire of October of 1871. And actually, you can always uh, sort of credit the Northwestern for the development of our lakeshore. Because after the fire in that October, many people who had homes and businesses in Chicago came out to Lake Geneva on the train, and it was then they started building these marvelous, they called them summer cottages, but they were actually the wonderful mansions that dot our lakeshore. And of course, unfortunately, the train ceased operation in July of 1975. So we were very fortunate to have it for that uh, period of time. Totally, and we all wish that it was still here. <laughs> it is very very difficult to get here public transportation wise. And I know you said that like the train would come in and then the yachts would be waiting at the pier to take people to their homes on the lake, huh? Well, there was one particular uh, Chicago man, James H. Moore, who owned Lorimore, the second largest estate on the lake. And he, uh, the train that would come in every Friday night at 515 was known as the Millionaire's Special. And it did carry a lot of our wealthy Chicago men. And Mr. Moore had a, a four-host tally-ho, which people can remember racing down the streets of Lake Geneva to get to the railway depot before the train arrived so that Mr. Moore would be ready to step off, get in the tally-ho, and get out to Lorimore in good time. I had seen a picture that you posted of people. It was a, an old black-and-white picture of people harvesting ice from Lake Geneva. And what did you say? Like, where would that ice go? Well, there, the ice would certainly be used by people here in Lake Geneva. But in fact, the Chicago Northwestern carried these big cubes of ice all the way into the city of Chicago, which I figure is quite amazing. That is amazing. And they would 
kind of promoted as the crystal clear ice from Geneva Lake. And again, we have one of the cleanest lakes out there. Oh, we certainly do. Still, after all this period of time. But we actually did have two different ice uh, businesses. One uh, across from the Best Western Hotel here on the East Shore. And then at the other side of Library Park was a competing ice cutting uh, operation. Oh. And it's amazing that it made the train ride all the way <laughs> to Chicago. Well, I think it was heavily passed, you know, with snow and hay, uh, you know, ice and hay and stuff to get it in in uh, pretty good condition. But uh, it seemed, I don't think there was much melting along the way. So the train must have been taking pretty good care to get it there in good condition. I know one of your your favorite topics, and it's one of my favorite to listen to, is talking about the history of some of the big estates that are still on the lake. Can you maybe pick a few of your favorites? Well, I do. I do have a few, um, particularly. And as I say to people, if you want to really see the lake, experience it, the best is walking the shore path. If you can't do that, Take one of the Gage Marine steamers, particularly the mailboat, which runs from June through September, because that's a two and a half hour ride and it features the entire uh, 26 miles of the lakeshore. But now Black Point is an estate that uh, dates back to 1888. It was the estate of Conrad Sipe. And it's particularly interesting because that home, that property, is now owned and operated by the state of Wisconsin. Now, Mr. William Peterson donated it to the state in 2004. It is the only home on the lake that is open to the public. The thing about it is, is that in order to get there, you have to uh, buy a ticket from Gage Marine. Uh, it, usually they run two of these uh, visits every single day but it is well worth uh, your time to see because it's the only place where all of the original furniture of the house was left for future generations. And it's just incredible. And a pretty great view from up there. Oh my gosh, yes, the view toward Fontana and also in the other direction, if you get up in the tower, mm-hmm. that's pretty wonderful. Now, the thing that just made the news most recently is, of course, the purchase of the Driehaus estate. That went back to 1905 by Mr. N.W. Harris when it was known as Wadsworth Hall. And this was probably the highest amount of money ever paid for a home on the lake in this area, a little over $36 million. And uh, Mr. Reyes of the uh, beverage and food uh, industry, along with other members of the family, are the new owners. And that's pretty exciting to see how he will be operating the home. Mr. Driehaus, for a number of years, always hosted a huge birthday party for himself the end of July, where he'd have uh, several hundred people as guests and always known by a huge uh, firework display at the very end of the day. So we'll be excited to see what the new owner has in store for us. Right. And so what is the oldest estate on the lake? Well, that the oldest estates, actually, the three of them were, were torn down. Maple Lawn uh, was the first. Uh, that was the Sturgis estate. Uh, and that uh, went down about 10 years ago. That was built in 1870 when the three Sturgis uh, brothers came to Lake Geneva. Uh, 
he actually owned the house, George Mary Sturgis, on Main Street, the little farmhouse, which later became Lake Geneva's first public library. And then in 1881, they built a huge uh, estate on the lake in the area we know today as the Covenant Harbor Bible Camp. And uh, Shelton Sturgis and then uh, one of the Sturgis's Buckingham built in the area we know is Sturwood today. But again, unfortunately, the originals, uh, you know, they're all gone and have been replaced uh, by other ones. But 1870 uh, was the very first for Maple Lawn of the Sturgis brothers. And what's your favorite estate on the lake? Well, you know, it's it's hard to say. I'm sort of very fond of North Woodside. That's also one of the earliest states back, and that's on the North Shore. And then there were four homes uh, associated, what we call the Wrigley Complex, because uh, they owned a whole mile of shoreline, and they had four different estates on the lake. Um, but that truly is one of my favorites. And then next door to that was Hillcroft, and Green Gables was the classic. And that still has the original. If you ride down Snake Road, you can see all the wonderful uh, caretakers' cottages. And that in itself is really quite a drive. But, um, and Witchwood, of course, is still in uh, the Wrigley family as well. And that's the furthest uh, to the west on the lake. But they are all the original homes there in that complex. And, of course, uh, we can't... Uh, do anything without talking about Stone Manor. Yes. Stone Manor is the one home you can see right there on uh, when you're walking down on the altar. You can see it's actually driving. It was built at the largest home on the lake. It was the home of Mr. Otto Young, originally called Younglands. It had 50 rooms on four floors. Uh, with 25 people working for them. It was really quite exciting. And in recent years, in fact, in the last two or three years, it had a new owner, and that was Tina Trahan and her husband, who have Stars Entertainment. Unfortunately, they are just here maybe a few weeks of the entire year. So the estate, the lovely home, which was a replica of a 16th century Italian palace, is empty. That's certainly, you know, losing a, a good part of history, but it is still there. I don't, don't expect anything happen uh, with anything with that property at this time. Yeah, that's amazing to look at. And like you said, you're right. To see these by boat is great, of course, but the shore path is amazing because you're up so close. And for people listening who don't know, there is a, a walking path that goes around the entire lakefront of the lake. And some people walk it in one day, although that's quite a, <laughs> a journey. It's really an all day thing, but you're literally standing in front of these huge estates and it's pretty spectacular. I was going to just say, I, back in my better shape days, uh, in the 1970s, walked the entire lake 11 times that season. Oh my gosh. And one time I did it all by myself and did it in about six hours and 20 minutes. And I told everything that I truly believed it was a record. That has to and be a I record. And I started bragging about it, and I thought, oh, wow, and they even wrote it in the newspaper. And then, much to my dismay, the following week, two high school students from Badger um, walked it twice in one day and stopped to swim. <laughs> 
<laughs> never again was I inspired to try the whole thing. <laughs> I've never done the whole thing. I've probably done a quarter of it in one day. <laughs> you know, and the, the thing is, that's that's really fun is to do it, to do enjoy. Like take the South Shore, walk from Lake Geneva, Fontana, and then have lunch at the Abbey. Then slowly saunter to Williams Bay. And, you know, you can stop at George Williams College. Then we would get there in time for lunch at the old Charlio's. And then just casually walk the two and a half hours back to Lake Geneva. And taking time for a lot of pictures. It's really the best way to do it, I think. It is. And it's just fun. It's fun to see everybody on the path and everybody's so friendly. And there are different guides that you can like read or even apps now that tell you the history. But yeah, the cruise boats are great because you've got a narrator talking about the states and stopping. And and speaking of the cruise boats, you were telling me, I, I feel so horrible as such a huge Lake Geneva lover that I didn't even know this about the biggest boat ever to be on Lake Geneva. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, indeed. The biggest boat ever to sail Lake Geneva was called the Lucius Newberry. And uh, in 1891, and by this time, the name had been changed to what was called the City of Lake Geneva with a new owner sometimes, new owner of the boat company. Names were changed. But oddly enough, in December of 1891, and the Lucius Newberry was moored right down here at the public docks at the Riviera, about two or three in the morning, a fire occurred on the boat. Uh, we don't know how it started. Someone thinks maybe a tramp was on board. Maybe he was smoking. But anyway, someone was down at the docks, and they untied it. The boat drifted across Geneva Bay. Now, this is on fire the entire time, and burned and sank in about 60 feet of water. And amazingly, it was not discovered until 90 years later when two uh, young men were looking for a sailboat that had gone down roughly in the same area. Now the story goes, they never did find the sailboat, but they found the Lucius Newberry. And for two years, 1981, 1982, there were salvage operations. And people used to flock down to the shoreline to see what the boat would bring in, in terms of artifacts. The second year, they found uh, the engine and the boiler. And they were considered so significant that uh, two of them, gentlemen from the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., came and took them back to Washington, D.C., to the Smithsonian as part of their marine exhibit. So that was just a really exciting time. That that is amazing, and and I guess now the biggest boat would be the Lady of the Lake. I think the Bell or is the a Bell. Little, okay, a little longer at least. I don't know what you know the actual uh, footage uh, foot is, but I think it is a little longer. But the ladies, Lady is definitely right up there. Now I I again I love being on your Facebook page because you, you guys post all these amazing pictures. There was one from the 1920s of President Taft, which is so neat. And so, I mean, there, there are all these ties to, like we mentioned, Hugh Hefner, founders of Dungeons and Dragons, 
President Taft, what other kind of well-known people come to mind when you're thinking about the history of Lake Geneva? Well, of course, we had some athletes come, a couple members. I know Michael Jordan was here on several you know, occasions, so you would be getting um, sporting activities. But it was really interesting is right after the Civil War, uh, uh, U.S. Grant was here for a number of times, and Philip Sheridan. And in fact, right in Lake Geneva, the Sheridan Springs Road is named after General Phil Sheridan, who visited almost on a yearly basis, and we had the Sheridan Springs Bottling Works. Also, the noted poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow uh, came and visited quite frequently because it was his cousin who owned the Harris Estate, better known as the Driehaus Estate. So he was here, you know, quite often. And, of course, President Harding was said to have made a visit, too. We haven't been able to substantiate that news. But it seemed to be a place, if you came to Chicago, you definitely made a point and take a day trip out to the Lake Geneva area. And I know even now there are uh, famous people here all the time. They like to lay low, but it is neat to have some sightings of people and even people who live here that a lot of people don't know about. So I know you're giving us just a, a very small taste of the wealth of history around here. Hopefully it's enough to get people to want to come in, meet you, see the museum. Can you, um, besides just visiting, and I know you have a like gift shop there, but how would people get involved in help keeping this museum to flourish? Do you have memberships or volunteers? How, like, how do people help? We do have memberships, and we have quite uh, a number of them. You know, starting probably the most popular, at least w- with me and my age group, too, would be seniors, you know, which starts at $20. And, of course, the, the line goes all the way up to $500, which is a lifetime membership, one time only. But memberships are very important. And, of course, to help us get on our way and with our funding, of course, is our admissions for every time you visit the museum. Also, people may want to just make a cash or check donation to the museum with no specific uh need in mind just to give us for maybe daily operations. Uh, once a year, we send off a fund letter, fundraising letter, and we just completed this at the end of uh, 2021, and that was to a fund that wonderful new signboard on Mill Street. You've probably seen it when you go down the hill or going out of town, and people are very, very generous when you have a specific item that is in mind for that. Uh, We do have, we do make money with various fundraisers that we hold at the museum. Uh, You may have a class reunion that wants to meet. We, I think, had one or two small weddings, but we, you know, do rehearsal parties and uh, birthday parties and things like that. Also, we have uh, a number of tours, bus tours come from states quite far away as Kentucky or Uh, out in the Dakotas, and we also do a lot for the schools in the areas, and when they come, the students uh, and the teachers are always free. So we expect to get that season uh, going pretty soon. Well, and it's so neat what you just finished there, the Parade of Trees, where just numerous local businesses 
would bring a tree, decorate it, and then people could walk through and it was a contest. And what a phenomenal idea and a way to bring the community together. So that's always a highlight of my years to go in and see all the beautiful Christmas trees. Yeah, we just finished um, the parade of trees on January 4th, and it's usually an operation about six weeks, starting the week before Thanksgiving. And of course, then people not just look at the trees, they vote for their favorite trees. Uh, And of course, you know, there is a winner announced. And of course, this year, what's quite special, it was glass insurance. And so they received the uh, trophy, and that was quite you know, really quite exciting, but it inspires people and people are already having thoughts for next year. Us, we also get some new, uh, so maybe next year we may have as many as 35 trees, but it's, it's really wonderful. And I think our director was just telling us that our attendance was up 175% from last year. Oh, wow. So you can see that people are interested in them. It just makes you feel so Wonderful, just experiencing these trees, looking down that whole street with these beautiful trees. I love how you hand deliver the trophies to the businesses at Sony. And when you say looking down the street, I mean, it's kind of neat. You know, this museum, it, it is like a brick pavered kind of street. And then there's different rooms and areas. I mean, it's really just a, a charming museum, too. So oh, well, thank um, you so much. Yes. Yeah, so if you haven't been there, you must go. And Helen, I always end by asking my guests what their favorite thing about the Lake Geneva area is, if you had to narrow it down to one. Well, it it just happens to be when I came here 54 years ago as a librarian with the library, I was just totally blown away. And the only thing I have to say, and it's been the same all the time, the the beauty of Geneva Lake itself. Love it. it. It's just incredible in all four seasons. And, you know, I used to think that living here, you just didn't have a regard. You took the lake, uh, you know, very much for granted. And because we know how much it's appreciated by all of our other town guests. And I sort of pride myself on the fact that I feel a whole new experience every time. Now, I only live three houses from the lake on Warren Street. So I can sit on my porch and see the whole part of Geneva Bay and every day, It's a wonder for me, and I am so blessed to be here and to enjoy it that way. Oh, beautiful! And yeah, and each each part and each view is just an experience. I'm I'm at the other end of the lake, so I have a very different view from you, but equally as beautiful. And and yes, I agree. The beauty of this lake year round is spectacular. And Helen, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the podcast and can't wait for people to come to the museum and to say hi to you and to see all the wonderful things that you have there to offer. Well, the pleasure certainly, Karen, is ours. And uh, when people come in, they've never been here before. They have an extraordinary experience. I tell them, go out and spread the gospel. That's right. And come back again. (laughs) Thank you very, very much. Thank you. And as always, thanks to the listeners for letting me share my love of Lake Geneva and the wonderful people who help make it so special. I'm Karen Stray Rappaport. Join me next time as another guest takes their place in the sun. Bye for now. I feel all right, like the morning I